Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello. Thanks for being with us on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Not normally on Thursday, but we're not normally live Thursday night. Uh, we're not dumb, though, with the World Series and the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. We're coming to you at a special 7.30 time slot. We're going to have a quick pace show today, get to all the things you need to know, and then get you on to your entertainment tonight on the proper television. Although, if you want to, you can still uh, participate in the conversation. The chat is open. We'll be taking some questions tonight, but let's get to it. No more time. It's the BWI Daily Edition. Here they are. The stars of tonight's show, Sean Fitz, Nate Bauer, our regular crew on Thursday night. Gentlemen, thank you for working with us today. I know that it's been a very hectic week, starting with Halloween and having a lot of stuff going on this week. So thanks for accommodating the change and going live tonight on a very busy Thursday night. Thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Yeah, Monday was trick-or-treat, so we had to get that out of the way. Uh, you know, fatherly responsibilities come first. Uh, and then the live show. So we're, we're happy to be here. We're trying to get it out of the way before the Phillies start, before the Eagles start, before all of Philadelphia abandons our YouTube <laughs> channel. But before you do, don't forget to like the video, subscribe and such. Um, yeah, I got it. I got it in. Um, so everybody, welcome to the show. Nate, uh, good to talk to you. I know it's a it's a it's been quite a week. Um, we've talked a lot about quarterbacks. Um, we have a lot about Indiana's quarterback, per se. Um, but uh, that's that's kind of where we're at coming out of James Franklin Tuesday, Wednesday, all quarterback talk all the time. Yeah, yeah Nate, I want to start with you on that. Um, I don't have a question. I just want to <laughs> give the statement that eight of 16 questions on Tuesday and then several more on Wednesday had to deal directly or indirectly with Sean Clifford and possibly going to the bench. I know yeah. you've got a lot of thoughts on this, so th the stage is yours. I do. Please I, I tell us. I, I feel like I should have prepared remarks so that I don't go completely <laughs> off the rails. Uh, so here, here it goes. Um, one, let, let's start with a common ground here, right? I, I understand where Penn State fans are coming from. Uh, two, two losses at this point in the season against the two teams that are the best in your side of the division. Uh, like it, all of the things add up, right? It's uh, Penn State's not going to the college football playoff. That is out. Uh, even if Penn State wins the rest of its games, all of which are against lesser inferior opponents, right? I mean, we can pretty honestly say that, uh, that Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, and Michigan State, they don't really scare you, certainly on the level that a Michigan or an Ohio State do. I get it. I get all of it. But, but there, there are these flashing red lights as to why James Franklin is doing what he's doing, why Penn State is continuing to play Sean Clifford. And so when all the questions coming out of the game on Saturday, a loss for Penn State, were about whether or not they would make that move, like his response was, it's a it's something that we evaluate every week. 
he went, he acknowledged the conversation. He acknowledged that it was something that they did, right? That, that he talked to Manny Diaz, people with head coaching experience. He talked to Mike Yurcich, he talked to Danny O'Brien, and he talked to Ken Wisenhunt, who's an analyst and former NFL coach. And he didn't come outright and say it because these are the things that he doesn't come outright and say, but they're going to stick with Sean Clifford because they value winning football games, right? They, they are, they are placing a priority on finishing the season at 10 and two, the regular season, if they possibly can. And so it's on the one hand, uh, Sean Clifford being good, right? Which is absolutely fine for people to object to and for people to, to, to debate, like no argument from me. That's fine. But also there's an underside to it and something that James Franklin can't say that just seems to be missing in the equation in people's imaginations about this, which is Drew Alarm just might not be ready. Like he just might not be at that point and also shouldn't necessarily be expected to be at that point in his career. And also James Franklin doesn't talk about injuries, right? Guess what the other side of all of the questions this week were about? Penn State's injured offensive line. Are you going to put your stud quarterback, the guy who you see as the future of Penn State football at quarterback, in harm's way, uh, to, to, in harm's way in a position where you already don't necessarily feel like he's up to the task the way that these other guys can? Probably not. <laughs> and, and, so, and so it's just this... It's just this uh, it, it's just hard, I feel like, for people to come to terms with the notion that, one, they're going to continue to, to, to operate. That this is as, it, right? That so this is the guy. This is it. Like, that there is no other track, and that if you are pushing for Drew Aller, you're pushing for an imaginary future that doesn't exist is, is kind of what you're saying. Somebody asked me this week. Um, actually, it was just today. Should they go to Drew Aller? And, and I had a similar response, but... On the other hand, like I deal in what I see on the football field and and I have not seen anything of Drew Aller to know what he's good and not good at at this point. And I think your point here is that fans don't either. They just assume that it's going to be better because it's not Sean Clifford. Sean, do you have any follow up to this particular conversation that we have? Uh, I feel like we have drilled this well dry, but there's always more coming out of it. So do you have, do you have any additional thoughts on, on Sean Clifford and the conversation this week around the quarterback? I, I think I, I'm, I might be ceding my time to Mr. Bauer. Cause I don't think he was done yet. Um, that was uh, <laughs> well, impassionate. Uh, you, you say you didn't have prepared speeches. I just had visions of you <laughs> talking to, to the mirror today, saying those same things. I, I will add another thing. And I know, I wasn't around for camp this year because I was not employed at that point and uh, for, for a couple of different reasons, but I definitely checked in with people. And, and the interesting thing here is Drew was solid in camp. He did a, a good job for a freshman in camp. Um, you know, I, I think it was a little bit more with the completion percentage. I think James Franklin's talked about this, but a little bit more with the completion percentage than Christian Veyer and, and things like that. And he did a nice job in camp. Then he came into the games, uh, Purdue, uh, early season games, and looked like legitimately good. That wasn't what he did in camp. Like he was better in those games than he was in camp. And that's that's awesome. I mean, I'd rather have you be good in games than in in, uh, in practice. But I think it kind of surprised some people. But it, I don't think it gave an accurate depiction of the six to eight weeks beforehand of him picking up the offense and of him doing all this sort of thing. So 
maybe too much too soon. Um, you know, it's great that he performed well, um, but maybe a little bit too much. I think he probably got people's hopes up a little bit too much. And once people saw that, there was no turning back from that. I mean, there was no, right. there's no accepting that maybe he isn't ready. Maybe he's not quite where he needs to be to win a four quarter game. Like if he can come in a couple drives, great throw, throw a great ball. You know, he's got the arm, he's got all, all the, uh, all the tools and everything like that. But people don't want to allow themselves to see that on the development track, he's not quite where he needs to be. And, and you ask anybody in that building, we've asked players um, we've asked, uh, you know, beside, I mean, put Franklin aside for a second. You, you ask anybody in that building on record, off record, they're going to say he's, he's not there yet. Like he, he, he's, he's got tremendous talent. He's got tremendous abilities and he's, I think he's going to get there. I think he's going to be very good, but just in terms of what you can get out of him over a four quarter game, you mentioned the pressure with the injured offensive line and things like that. And maybe he's a guy that, uh, you know, plays better than he practices. I mean, I always, I always look back to Zach Zwinak. Zach Zwinak was terrible in practice, but, you put him in the game and he was awesome. Just a, he was just an absolute machine. Some guys are like that. Some guys are gamers. You typically don't see that, that sort of level of volatility with, with quarterbacks, but maybe, maybe Drew's that guy. But I will say this. I, I just think people are so excited by the, the prospect of him playing and the stars and everything like that behind him that they don't want to allow themselves to believe the reality of the situation that he just might not be where they want him to be at this point. Uh, and, and that is uh, the great unknown for fans that is not really acknowledged in the conversation that the conversation that we have regularly. Nick Shear says, missed last few live shows. Excited for this one. Nick, glad to have you. If you've got any questions or comments, put them in the chat. We'll be getting to as many as we can tonight. And as always, like the video. Want to move on to the next thing, Nate? I see you chomping Wait, the bit, but we got... No, no, we, his, his face is far too red for no, you to move on to the next cannot, thing. Right you now. cannot do this. All, you cannot all right. do this. I got one. I know. I know. We're going to get out of here. I got one. Here's the thing. It's not that... Drew Willard is not there on the development track. It's that he's not at Sean Clifford, which I understand is the, is like, again, where Sean Clifford is, uh, people have a debate as to how good that is, but all of the, the ways that that handicaps your offensive uh, coordinator, right. In terms of the breadth of knowledge that Sean Clifford has and the things that you can do, the adjustments that you can make, all of the things that he's prepared for, uh, Drew Allard, the game plan has to be totally different, like as you would expect, but it just, it just limits what you can do in games that I don't think they necessarily see as the slam dunk that people want them to be. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that's it. That, I'm, I'm totally done. I'm just saying uh, none of this precludes Drew from getting tons of playing time over the next four weeks. He can get tons of playing time. It's just, he's probably not going to be the starter and it's time yeah. to come to grips with that. That's it. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, it, the ironic thing is, and I've been looking at this and uh, trying to parse this out. This is one of the three best three game stretches of Sean Clifford's career from an individual play perspective. When you're considering just isolating his passing and forget the other things. And if you can put down the one and two record in the last two games from a throw to throw perspective, he has been generating more offense for the team than the last three games uh, than any three game stretch since uh, 2019. And it's just, it, they coincide with a one and two stretch, which obviously the quarterback is responsible for winning in a lot of people's minds. So that is neither here nor there. It's just an interesting note coming out of all of this stuff. Last night we were all at practice. I want to get your guys observations. Fitz, you were with the defense, big base 
had a big presence last week. Um, any thoughts from yesterday at practice of any observations there, or what did you see uh, at practice? Once again, we got in with uh, with some special teams work, some ball security, things like that. So you're not seeing a bunch of that. I mean, it seems like they've made that change and put Curtis Jacobs out there at Sam and, and just going to go with, with Abdul Carter. And I think that's the right decision based on what we've seen the last two weeks. Um, but, uh, in terms of like practice observations, there's a lot of, uh, um, I don't want to say half speed, but three quarters speed drills and things like that. Some, some punch work and things like that. So nothing crazy. I will say I took away Zariah Fisher was out there and he just looks better every week and not expecting him to play, not expecting back this season, but, to get him back in spring practice might be a nice little boost. And uh, he's been out there. He's been flopping around, um, not doing full contact stuff. But uh, to see him out there is is a really good sign. Um, and defensive end continues to come along. Uh, they need more there. Um, I think Deny Dennis Sutton is going to get better and, and contend for a starting spot next year. But at the same time, they're going to play four or five defensive ends. And, and hopefully you're confident in those guys. And Zariah Fisher was a guy that they had hoped could step in this year, maybe be a missing piece to that pass rush. And obviously with the injury, he was not able to do so. But uh, other than that, it's uh, there's not much to say from the defensive side of the, uh, the practice field. It was, it was loose. It was, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a nice little vibe last night. I will say, I, I know that the offense is kind of a, it's its own little world over there, but uh, on yeah. the defensive side, things, seem to be clicking well and, and and they're looking to move on. They're looking to get out of, you know, that, uh, that funk where that offense or excuse me, that Ohio state loss sticks with them as it has at times uh, during the James Franklin's tenure. Um, so that's just what they're preaching on the defensive side of the ball these days. And with Zariah Fisher, you'd like to go to the portal and get a defensive end if you want one, but you don't want to have to go to the portal and get a defensive end. And I think, you know, with that depth, you talk about that's something that, this year, they might not have to do in the offseason pending whatever happens over the next two months. Nate, on the offense, we've hinted at it already. You've already laid out what's coming this weekend. Um, yeah. So what do you see from the offense? You were with them in the offensive line. What's the situation in front of Sean Clifford? Pain. <laughs> <laughs> that made it's me terrible. actually laugh. <laughs> okay, let's move uh, on to the preview then. <laughs> look, it's a, it's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, Olufashanu was not at practice. Caden uh, Wallace was at practice. We didn't see him doing anything strenuous. Uh, let's go Sal through Wormley. this whole. Yeah. Sal Wormley uh, didn't see at practice. Uh, Landon Tangwall did not see at practice. And so Drew Scruggs is potentially the only starter at the beginning of the season on the offensive line that will start on Saturday for Penn state. And so like, it, you know, uh, you know how these things go at Penn state. We'll see. Right. But I, I do think that it is fair to say, uh, you know, guys who we have not seen on Wednesday, I cannot think of any this season who we've seen playing games. Right. Like, I, yeah. like if they have, if they are absent, if we have not seen them on on Wednesday, it's been very rare. Now, obviously, if Olufashanu was available on Saturday, you're going to play him whether he practice or not. But right. I, I'm just I just think it's a, a, you know, you can't stress it enough right? that, that this is a, uh, you know, a makeshift offensive line that they're just they're really plumbing kind of the depths and they're going to have to figure some stuff out. Right. I mean, they, they've got guys who uh, I think probably appear to be better options necessarily than some of the guys who are slotted in front of them. 
Yeah. But they're trying to preserve red shirts in some cases. And so it's it's this balancing act right now of decisions to make of who can who can you spend a red shirt? Who do you want to maintain that red shirt? Who and, still and has the wiggle room? Do, right. How, how many, many how games, games do you want to save for later? Yep. Yep. Because that, that's another factor in it too, is maybe guys aren't uh there yet, but come bowl season, if there is an area they need to have somebody step up, they want to be able to do that and preserve that red shirt. Um, is, is there a combination uh, maybe not of players, but is there a combination that you think can get them through this game without serious problems? Like from what you've seen, um, or is this headed towards what we all thought it was when if one of your tackles goes down, you're in trouble and both of them weren't at practice yesterday. So what's your gauge of danger level this, this coming week? I, I mean, the, like the offensive line was already danger level to, to a certain respect, right? Uh, it was already a, a, a unit that you weren't, um, you know, it wasn't the strongest in the world. They had made strides. That was undeniable. But you still, there was always that uh, sense of risk of, you know, what's going to happen? Or is the quarterback going to get in trouble and get hurt? Um, you know, look, I, I think Drew Shelton is maybe the guy at left tackle if you have to go there you, you know you still want to keep his redshirt if you possibly can and i think it, it doesn't spend his redshirt to use him in this game i, I believe that's great. uh right uh, all, all, all three of those guys sit at two with jb nelson shelton and veggioni and and I, it's very interesting i think nelson's probably the most interesting one because you can play shelton and if he's as good as you think maybe he's doesn't stay five years, probably say the same about Ione. Um, but, but Jamie Nelson's so interesting because you, you have this first year specifically to bulk him up or, or get him big 10 strong compared to, uh, compared to uh, junior college. And, you know, if, if he plays this year, then you either spend another year, spend next year red shirting or just, uh, you know, you only get two years with, so that's the interesting one to me, like playing the freshman, Obviously not ideal, but at the same time, you get a little bit more of a cushion there. So JB Nelson's, I think, the interesting one. Me, they, they used him earlier this year. They seem to like what they saw. But you know, if you play him and you burn his red shirt, that's essentially limiting his career, limiting your outlook, not for the next five, or five years, but for the next two years. That, that's actually it's interesting. I thought about it the other way um, and prioritizing guys that were highly recruited in the class versus a guy who came in Juco, not saying he's any better or worse, but he's older, but that's, that's a very good point to make there. Let's get into any final thoughts on practice. We need to get into the actual preview of Indiana. Any final thoughts from either of you, something you saw, you wanted to make sure we talked about tonight. Uh, no Kevon Lee as well. So that running back depth continues to be thin. If he's not available, obviously James Franklin said on Tuesday that they had hoped to have him back on, on Saturday, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I just, we'll get to it. It's fine. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, Stephen Light's here, and he says, in case you guys can get enough candy on Monday night, he gives us a, a donation to the channel. Stephen, always here, always contributing. Appreciate you, my guy. Um, this is an interesting question. We're going to get into it now. Uh, Steve says, Indiana should not be in the same class with PSU depth, no matter if they are freshmen. I think that's a little bit unrealistic, but I understand the confidence that Penn State should win this game. So let's get into it. Fitz, uh, let's talk about the offense. What do you make of this unit, and uh, what have you seen from them when you've watched them on, on film? Indiana, very interesting. Um, can't run the ball. Um, they, they, they really, this, this whole program has been really interesting because I thought Tom Allen was ready to turn a corner back in 2020, of course, beat Penn state that year to open the season. And yeah, they've just kind of fallen flat. They have a tough time blocking people. They have lost their top wide receiver, uh, Connor Basilek, the, the quarterback, um, he will air it out. Absolutely. And that's kind of going to have to be what they do if they're going to have success against Penn State is try and go down the field and try to to get chunk plays. Uh, 381 passing attempts. I mean, that's more than Purdue, which says a lot about uh, about how you work work through the Big Ten if you're in the a little so, frightening. <laughs> yeah, so they're gonna. I think they're gonna throw the ball a lot. Emory Simmons, a familiar name for Penn State fans, who's committed to Penn State for a little while, um, ended up going to North Carolina and then transferring uh, to Indiana, where I think he was originally committed. Or, so it's a giant, giant circle. Um, and Penn state is just a little exit, uh, exit ramp on that one. Um, but, uh, RPO read option, that sort of thing. I, I, the offensive line, I think their offensive line is also hurt. Like, and, and to, to Steven's point, um, I don't think they are in Penn state's class in terms of depth, you know, even, even freshmen, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was talking to Zach Osterman who we had on the show yesterday, and he's curious if they can maybe, I don't want to say make a change at quarterback, but see what they've got out there and see the, they're basically playing for, for the rest of this year and going into the portal to see what they need on the offensive line, to see if they have to go get another quarterback and see, see how things work out because they're, they're in trouble right now in terms of offensively. So be curious to see how much they're able to uh, run a cohesive offense. It's, it's been sputtering at times and it's really hurt them and then they get behind and then they're in trouble. So um, from a talent perspective, Penn state definitely, should have the advantage, especially w- with their defense. I mean, we're talking all these about all these injuries, um, but they're on the offensive side of the ball for Penn State. Penn State's defense should be in really good shape this weekend. Yeah, what about the the quarterback situation? Because uh, what uh, Zach talked about, and I know you talked to him separately, was that that running threat might add an element here. How much do you think that can play a factor in this game if coming out of uh, the bye week that they get a surprise like a, a different quarterback? I, I don't know that they're, I don't know that Tom Allen would make that switch. I mean, it, it, it's kind of, I don't, I don't want to say it's like the Clifford thing, but you, you know, Connor has not been horrible. I know he's, he's, he's put up some numbers and things like that. Um, I'm not sure that he's the reason that, that they are having the problems that they are having. So um, I don't really see a switch there, but I mean, it's, it's certainly possible that Dexter Williams, the second um, I was struggling for his name there for a second can, can just provide you something different. And when you've got, Injuries on the offensive line when you can't block anybody and you need a spark. Sometimes a running quarterback's the easiest thing. It's not necessarily going to tear Penn State's secondary apart, and I don't think the starter's going to do that either. But gives you a chance to to make something out of nothing. Generally, uh, teams coming off buys tend to have something to throw at a team. Nate, 
Mm-hmm. How concerned are you? Penn State's banged up coming into this game in one key area. Uh, but just the the team in general, how concerned are you of a team coming off a bye week that has an air of desperation about it and on a five-game losing streak after starting 3-0? and And as, as Fitz pointed out, Tom Allen was poised to do something, and it feels like it's really taken a huge step back the last two seasons. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to – I mean, I'm going to jump, skip to the conclusion, right? I'm going to pick Penn State to win this game. I picked Penn State to win this game. I think that the danger for Penn State is not losing a 35 to 31 game. It's losing a 17 to 14 game, right? If all of the weather uh, predictions and prognostications are for this intense wind, right? And passing the ball becomes complicated. Like, let's just be no one's honest gonna care. about this. Let's just be, <laughs> no one's going to care, but let's just be honest about what we've seen from Penn State in some of these situations over the past couple of years, right? These weird weather circumstances have, I can't think of any of them that Penn State has played particularly well in, right? Whether it's at Michigan State, uh, the rain game, the snow last year, uh, Northwestern, obviously earlier this year, like you name it, these have been some of the games that have stymied Penn State. So if, if I'm looking at that and we've got this weather and you've got a defensive coach who has had two weeks to dream up something against Penn State, against the Penn State offensive line that isn't great, against a quarterback who makes backbreaking mistakes. Like, that's that's the blueprint. That's the nightmare Indiana, scenario. For that, Indiana. That's the nightmare right. scenario. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. And there's a great chance that Penn State can just run it down their throats anyway, right? You, that you have these game-breaking uh, running backs. But I, I do think that it is going to take a certain amount of individual playmaking like this this steady drumbeat of hey we're just gonna maturity you to death it is to me not necessarily realistic for this game it's a matter of hey can can nick singleton make a play can right. parker washington make a play and and go from there and build up a lead to to the point where if penn state has a lead in this game it's, it's hard for me to conceive of indiana having an avenue toward keeping up uh, Fitz, you said that Indiana can't run the ball, and that's that's dead on accurate. But the running backs don't seem terrible. Are, are, do you find them to be something that can challenge Penn State if one of them gets you know one on one with a middle linebacker in open space? Yeah, I mean they've they've had success the last couple of years with uh, with some really good backs, and I'm not sure that they're on that level. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things. I think it's more about the offensive line, more about what they can't do versus yeah. what these running backs can't do. And um, I, I don't know that they. they terrifying when Penn State saw better backs last week saw a better back the week before saw two better backs you know the the week before that so there's I don't think anything comparing them to the to to what Penn State's seen over the last three weeks so um, I think it's more about the offensive line I think you can be aggressive I was unaware of the forecast uh, the weather forecast that's an interesting one to me because Penn State seems to play defense against the elements more than a lot of programs and it's out and out frustrating to watch sometimes because you're, you're worried about the wind. You're worried about the, the, the rain, rain and things like that. Um, yeah. and, and it's, and it's really just like, okay, well, it's, it's, a, it's clearly affecting one team more than the other. I, I don't know that that's going to be something that, that tilts this game, but, uh, I think Penn state should be able to, to counter and run the football, but, but back to your original question about Indiana's running backs. Now I, I think they're, they're solid, but I think this whole, I think the whole running, the running game as a whole is something that's not, 
overly impressive, but it is better than a run defense. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. So let's get to the defense because I, I think that the, one of the areas uh, that we, we all feel pretty confident is Penn State defending that side of the ball. But defensively, this is a team that has frustrated Sean Clifford over the years, three interceptions against Indiana in three seasons. Um, what has happened to this defense this year, Fitz? Uh, because it is, it's not the same one that I've seen on film over the last couple of seasons. They got, they got issues everywhere. Um, I'm not sure that they have the athletes to play the style that they wanted for that, that really good run that Tom Allen had. And, and to be honest with you, a really good run at, at IU is, is different than a really good run at Penn state, Ohio state, whatever. Yeah. Um, but they, they did a, a really good job finding the athletes that they needed to, to play the scheme that they wanted. And I just don't think they can do that this time. Uh, not forcing turnovers, not creating pressure. There's a lot of knots in this defense, and, and that's why I believe they are, yes, 14th out of 14 in the Big Ten in scoring defense, worse than Nebraska, which, given how Nebraska started the season, is an accomplishment in itself. Um, and it's, <laughs> I think the yards will be there. It's about finishing. It's about Penn State being um, the team that can, you know, just go out there and, and you know, turn to Nick Single. You know, I think – Suffice to say, I think this is a game that Nick Singleton can get outside. And yeah. I think we know what that means by now. You know, Katron Allen, I think, has been phenomenal. Uh, really enjoyed watching him run. But if you can get Nick Singleton outside against some of the, the athletes or or lack of athletes that Indiana has at some spots and, and they're banged up as well on both sides of the ball, then I think you've got an opportunity to run the football. 106 missed tackles tied for the most in the Big Ten. That's been an issue for them without generating those turnovers and, and Fitz underlined that pretty well. Um, C. Paul King says, great insight on the QB and the O-line situation. Will we get to a New Year's Bowl? I'm going to get to this question. That can be one of our questions to leave the show with. I do want to get to some of the other situations because more injuries on this, this side of the ball for Indiana. I believe it is Cam Jones is questionable. Um, maybe won't play. Uh, but we, it seems pretty buttoned up that that this is going to be a successful game for Penn State from from the analysis I'm getting from you guys. So what other things stand out on that side of the ball, Fitz, that maybe you want to highlight before we get into some of the other ancillary conversations outside of the, the team and the players on the field? You mentioned the injuries. It's November in the Big Ten. Everybody's going to have injuries. And and kind of what we talked about with, with that depth gap that we saw last week between Ohio State and Penn State, Penn State's going to have that over a lot of teams in the Big Ten. And I think that's what you're going to see. Um, they're, they're, they're struggling right now. And, I, and given what we've seen in the past coming off of losses to Ohio State, and this is a big picture thing, not really the Indiana defense type thing, but it's a good team to play um, if you're trying to, to regain yourself. Because even with a hangover, you should have the matchup and uh, advantages that you want uh, to 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 put some points up on the board and and come out fairly comfortable. I know it's what a two touchdown line or something like that, but uh, you should should be pretty comfortable on, on Saturday. Uh, you never want to underestimate your opponent, of course, but just looking at the matchups, you go you just check boxes uh, on Penn State all the way down. Yeah, one of the things I, I thought was that you can take you can suffocate this team, but you can't fall asleep against this this offense because they will go over the top as you pointed out at the beginning of the breakdown of the, they'll be aggressive and throw the ball down the field uh let's get to it then predictions uh Fitz will start with you what, what do you think this game ends up being I like the comment there yeah just go there and beat the crap out of them that should uh you got, got a coach <laughs> over there um no I, I like Penn State to be able to score some points as, as I mentioned didn't really look at the weather report or anything like that I have Penn State 41 14 I believe it is I, I think Penn State's just 
all all together better. And I think this is one where these uh, where these points can can rack up, and you can get a turnover, you can get a pick six or something like that. I know it's on the road. I know it's something different. You've got the opportunity cr- to create pressure. Last week, Penn State's defensive line didn't do a great job. Uh, said they couldn't get home with four. They have potential to get home with four this week. So I'm I'm curious to see what Manny Diaz does in terms of his coverages, in terms of what he does you know, in the slot with uh, with Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, and those guys, and what he does with his linebackers to get after uh, Indiana's quarterback. It's it's an opportunity for this defense to sort of impose its will. Not, I mean, I, I think they've, they've been good, and I think they can have a great day on Saturday. Nate, is this going to be a cosmetic win, or is this going to be another ugly one where they get the W and everyone's unhappy about it? Oh, man, I don't know. I've seen a lot of ugly football over the years and i think that it's important to prioritize that with a win over looking pretty and losing and so like to, to I, I mean i just i understand what the conversation is but i just think it is imperative that penn state come out of this game with a win they have to excise the demons of 2020 there's like a lot to me involved in this game and and being able to come out of a loss and get a win all of those things i think are important uh, but I do, yeah, I mean, I kind of think it's going to be ugly. I don't, I don't see 45 points. I think that if the defense, if Penn State's defense is able to give like multiple short fields or score a touchdown, that makes life a lot easier for Penn State's offense. But I, I do think that there is, um, you, you know, I, I don't want to downplay some of the advancements that Penn State's offense has made over the last two weeks, but like, I'm just going to remain in the camp of it needs to be consistent before I believe it's the truth. See, they lost pretty and last week they lost pretty last week and I believed in them. I wrote that this week. I, I trust this offense now and you have me terrified that I did that. So I don't let's, know. Go, let's go to see Paul King to end the show. A little yeah. bit of a, a look forward. Do they get the 10 wins? Does this look good for them? Um, with a good loss to Ohio State, and do they get to a New Year's Six Bowl? Yeah, Nate? I mean, if they win ten games, the, uh, I, I would be stunned if Penn State did not get into a New Year's Six Bowl, just because they're what fifteen right now in the early rankings. Teams are going to fall in front of them. Um, I, I have to think they have one of the, from like an FPI standpoint, one of the easier schedules remaining. Um, you don't, you know, you've gotten Ohio State out of the way, you've gotten Michigan out of the way, so you have every opportunity. Nate, the way to say that earlier in the show is they're going to be favored against every opponent that they go against, and yeah. I think that that's that's the way you look. And if they they take care of business and win out, I, I think it's going to be very hard, especially with that loss where they look good for so long against Ohio state, who's going to be the number by that time going to be the number one, number two team in the country. Then, you know, I think that that's, I don't want to say inevitable, but if they take care of business, they should end up back there. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, I mean, it's, it's, um, it is one of the easier FPIs remaining, but is one of the harder FPIs period strength of schedule. Right. Right. And so when your two losses are against two top five teams, that's going to be rewarded. Right. Like I, I think, what are you laughing at? Anyway, I'm laughing at the guy that says if Nate sets the line, then it might be different. Um, no, 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 you're right. Because if it's if it's well, here's the thing: they lost ugly against Michigan, which is a you know, even though it's a top five team, it's a demerit. You know, it's, it's yep. you're going to lose points for that. But Ohio State, who is ranked higher, you look better against, and you really show that you can hang with top teams. And we've seen a lot of in, in these college football rankings that come out around Halloween teams just drop, you know, just magically 
uh, all of a sudden lose two or three games on the remaining schedule. Penn State does not seem to be in that in that general um, danger. Having said that, Maryland's going to be tough. Michigan mm-hmm, State's exactly. going to be tough. You should be fine at Rutgers. Should be fine against Indiana, which is interesting because we're talking about the games on the road as the ones you should be fine, and the games at home as maybe toss ups, just because James Franklin's record against Michigan State and then Maryland can hurt you in certain ways. So we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, I think I think they're just in a really good spot. And like I said, that that loss I think sets them up for a New York Six Bowl. It should be a fascinating end of the season, Nate. Uh... Last thing before we get I'm out done. I, I promise. <laughs> no, I, I think it's this very fascinating precipice that the program is on where fans generally seem to be disinterested now that they have two losses or not disinterested, but like uh, disgruntled, dis, disgruntled, what have you. And yet those games that you just that the point that you just made fits becomes such an unbelievably important thing moving forward that. Penn State, one of Penn, the best things that Penn State football has going for it is its home field advantage, right? And if fans don't show up to Michigan State after Thanksgiving and Maryland at home in what's not going to be a night game, but like a, a day game, then those things, I'm not, nobody's blaming anybody for anything. I'm just saying it could be a very interesting situation where the one thing that Penn State has going for it, or one of the bigger things that Penn State has going for it, it won't have because fans are so frustrated uh, with, with the performance of the team. We'll see how they feel after this game against Indiana coming up this weekend. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. We'll round out the BWI daily edition for the week. And then the post game show coming up directly after Penn state in Indiana, I'll be breaking down everything that happened riding solo again. So I'm going to need you come join me in the post game. You are my co-host. You in the audience will talk. We'll go go through the the Sean Clifford fatigue, anything that happens during the game, or you know, I'll point out all the good things that happened in, in a blowout. But we'll we'll find out together on uh, Saturday. And one last thing, please make sure you check out the rest of our videos. These guys do an awesome job uh, with our instant analysis on the field, giving their thoughts of what happened. Make sure you like and subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, and of course, wherever you get your podcast. Like I said earlier this week, we are a rocket ship, but you are the fuel that's going to get us there. That'll do it today for the BWI Daily. Enjoy your uh, Major League Sports tonight, whatever your flavor is. We'll talk to you tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.